Good. Well, how is everyone today? What a worship. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. The worship team just did a killer job this morning and I got to double dip. They were uh, leading us this morning as well. Let me, just, let me just feast on you beautiful people. I've, I've been preaching to an empty auditorium uh, for weeks. With our school going line, I'm often in here, it, literally an empty room, me and Austin and a camera. So it's really fun as a teacher to be able to see live human beings, which is beautiful. I, 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 I'm so excited to be with you. I've been really excited all week uh, knowing that I got to be with you. And I want to start by, by telling you a dream. It's a dream I had almost two years ago. And to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever shared this dream publicly. In fact, I think I've only shared this dream with a couple of handful of people, a couple of really close friends. Uh, but I felt like the Lord say, I, I would love you to share this dream. So at the, the early star of 2019, I had a dream and I'm at R.T. Kendall's house. How many of you know who R.T. Kendall is? Okay, just, just a brilliant statesman of the kingdom. Uh, and I'm at R.T. Kendall's house. There's five of us and he's invited us for dinner. There's me and AJ, there's R.T., there's his wife, Louise, and there's a faceless man. And we're all gonna have dinner together. And what's crazy is R.T. is renovating his house. So even though we're having dinner at a dining room table, it's in his living room. And the living room is, is being, you know, torn down to the studs. He's remodeling, like I say. And if you know RT, he's a joker. Like he's, he's like just nonstop practical joker. And so in the dream, he's pretending he's like some sort of, I don't know, butler or like he's, he's got my chair and he's like tucking me in. And it's all very comedic, but in the middle of the dream as he's tucking me in on the chair to, to seat me at his table, I am sobbing. I mean, I, tears are pouring down my face and I'm sobbing. And I remember looking down in the dream at my plate and just tears are falling on all my dinner. And so then the scene changes in the dream and I'm walking down the street and I happen to bump into RT in the dream. And I say to RT, RT, I had a dream about you. And he's like, what was the dream? And so I tell him the dream and I said, RT, the strangest thing was, as you were tucking me in, I'm just bawling with tears and no one asked me why I'm crying. So in the dream, RT says to me, well, why were you crying? And I said, I was crying because I know many good people. I know many kind people. I don't know many anointed people. And boom, like that, I wake up out of the dream and in bed, for real, I am sobbing. I'm like in tears, I'm just my chest is heaving. I cannot stop crying and such grief is upon me. And so I do my best commando roll out of bed so as not to wake Sleeping Beauty. Uh, and I commando crawl to my office. I just, it's about two or three in the morning. I, I try and leave my bedroom as quietly as possible. And I sit in my office and I just pour out my lament before the Lord. I'm just in tears and I'm broken and I'm grieved and I'm just praying. And I feel so much sadness and so much sorrow about the lack of anointing on my life and the lack of anointing in the church, period. And I don't know what to do with it. So I do what I always do when I don't know what to do. I go to YouTube. <laughs> you're installing shelves you're like how does this work I'll just YouTube it well I'm like how do you get more power in the kingdom I'll just YouTube it and so I end up till dawn comes up just watching video after video of Catherine Coleman and A.A. Allen just doing miracles and healing and it didn't help because I still felt sad <laughs> so for close to two years I have been carrying this thought about the lack of anointing on my own life and in the church. And to be honest, it's been the, almost the sole focus of all my prayer and fasting over the last couple of years. And, and I'll be honest, I have felt heartsick at times with a lack of anointing. And I need to be careful 
I'm not setting myself up as the sole adjudicator of anointing in the church, right? And I recognize, I don't know uh, what's going on around the global church, but in my world, in my bubble, with the areas that I know, I'm like, Lord, this can't be it. Like, like seriously, like we are woefully undernourished in the area of anointing. And here's the dilemma. In our own strength, none of us can boost our anointing. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like, go to the gym and work out your anointing muscles? So aside from prayer and fasting and pouring out my lament before the Lord, I don't know how to raise our anointing. I don't know how to raise my anointing. And, and here's the thing. While I'm grateful for what I have, I'm really heartsick for more of what the Bible and church history tells me is possible. So that's where I've been the last couple of years. So if you've seen me looking a little bit down, that's why, okay? I've been like just wanting more anointing. Recently though, I've had a different thought. And I've had a different meditation, which leads me really to share with you all this morning. Instead of grieving what I don't have, I've been inspired by what I could have. I've been reminded of what I have had. I've been reminded of what I've seen with my own eyes. I've been reminded of my mentors and the stories that they've told. And I've been stirred in my heart to share and to practice one of my favorite teaching methods. You'll remember this from elementary school. It's show and tell. <laughs> Jesus was a master in show and tell. I mean, he was an expert. One of the reasons his ministry was so successful was that he would demonstrate the kingdom and then talk about the kingdom. He would show and he would tell. One of my mentors, John Arnott, was an expert, is an expert in show and tell. He would do all the time. Like I, I, Everywhere I went, I traveled with John and Carol, um, his wife, for a number of, uh, for a year and then continued to travel, AJ and I. And no matter where we went, no matter how dry the environment, I was just like, oh, this is going to be interesting. He would always do it. And so I remember the first time I ever saw John and Carol, before I knew them, it was in Belfast in Ireland, uh, or Northern Ireland. I, I flew over to see them at a conference. And so far, so good. It was a church service, like any other church service. We had worship. And then worship ended, and they introduced John and John just started by going, oh, so great to be here. Now, I'm wondering, is there anybody here who is in a car accident mm, between 15 and 20 years ago and you've been in chronic pain? And so somebody puts up their hand and they get healed. And I'm like, that's fascinating because in the church I grew up in, after worship, we do anoint, uh, uh, announcements. This is way more fun. Right? So he would constantly, he wouldn't talk about the kingdom. He would demonstrate the kingdom and talk about it. And, 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 and he would do all the time and he would inspire me to do the same thing. I, I was telling the first service, when I started traveling with John and Carol, I, like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember we were at a big conference and in the middle of worship, John's like, hey, go up there and lead a healing segment. And I'm like, no. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, because I've never led a healing segment in my life. You do it. And he's like, no, no, if I do it, like the people won't learn anything. You go do it. And I'm like, if I do it, the people will learn something, probably not the thing you want them to learn. He's like, it'll be fine, I'll coach you. And that was my introduction to healing. He'd like send me up and on the front row, he'd be like, call out some words of knowledge. I'm like, I don't have any. And he'd you know, feed me words of knowledge and, and we'd go for it. 
Here's what I'd love to do. I would love to, in the next couple of weeks, I would love for us to create some space in our service to practice being like Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the will of the Father. Now, here's the thing. I don't know who's here, but I'm an amateur, right? So that means we're gonna practice, we're gonna learn, we're gonna make mistakes, and it's gonna be fun, and you'll find out why in a second. Okay, some of your faces are like, your idea of fun and my idea of fun, two different things. So you might be thinking, Alan, if you're sad about the lack of anointing, what threshold of anointing would you be happy with? To which I'd say it's a brilliant question and one that's answered in Scripture. Turn with me to Acts chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, please, please bring your Bibles, even if it's on a phone. I mean, not even, like all my Bibles are electronic. It's not like the paper versions are more anointed. So pull out your Bible, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I want you to follow along with me in Scripture because we need our standards set by Scripture or we slowly deteriorate to nothing. All right, Acts 10, verse 38. I'm kind of jumping in here. It says this, description of Jesus' ministry on earth. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That is the standard I am looking for. Jesus went around doing good. The Gospels record what that looks like and healing all who were under the power of the devil. That is the look I want us to be going for in this season. How did Jesus accomplish those things? Well, the passage tells us, it says God anointed him with two things, with the Holy Spirit and with power, which is, which is wonderful. Excuse me. Casting out the demonic spirit of a runny nose. God anointed him with two things, Holy Spirit and power. And then did you notice the little extra thing at the end? God was with him. Now, this is good news, everybody, because we've got two of the three already, right? We're born of the Spirit if we've given our lives to Christ, and hopefully we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we know that God is with us from Scripture. So what's our missing ingredient? Power. I am sorely lacking in power. Maybe you've got all the power you want. I suggest you might not. I'm not trying to be rude or funny. I'm just like trying to prove a point. Like, could, I think we all agree. Could we, could we be in unison about the desire for more power as a church? Amen. Now, some of you might be saying, yeah, Alan, I hear you love the passion, love the enthusiasm. Pink looks amazing on you. But one tiny objection, that standard is not fair because it was Jesus who's God. Like he had a pretty big advantage over the rest of us. To which I'd say, I hear you, I really do, but your objection does not line up with Scripture. Now, what's our standard? Scripture. Not our experience, not our opinion, not our case history, but Scripture. Turn with me to three passages of Scripture. We're going to do them one at a time. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 14. And I want to read you Jesus, his own words, talking about his expectation for you and I. 
He says this, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Oh, snap, right there. If you're a believer in Christ this morning, you say amen. amen. Your standard set by the master himself is that you would be doing the works that he did. That pretty much excuses us from that, well, I'm not him, therefore I don't have to do it. In fact, if you keep reading, Jesus raises the bar. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. The Father is like, or Jesus is like, hey, everything you saw in me, my ceiling is your floor. I don't think that got big enough. Amen or yeah, or somebody wave a hand at me. What Jesus demonstrated for us is the ground level that he expects us to be walking in. So when you compare that standard to what we're walking in, could you see why I was depressed for two years? Some of you are like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, keep reading. Let's jump over to Matthew 28. These are some of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascends to heaven. So he's given them like pep talk, team rally, and then split. I think that was a sports analogy. I hope I used it appropriately. Right? And he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus says, guys, I'm leaving. You're in great hands. Don't even worry about it. Three things I want you to accomplish while I'm gone. Make disciples, baptize disciples, teach these new disciples everything I commanded you to do. Easy, peasy, lemon, squeezy, let's go. Well, what did he command them to do? Well, the gospels are full of what Jesus commanded his, his disciples to do, but one of my favorite passages is found in Matthew chapter 10. Now, Matthew chapter 10 is a special passage in my heart because it's the one that my mentor, John Arnott, would talk about all the time, and he would refer to it as the beginner's list of doing the work of the kingdom. And if you read Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his disciples and says, guys, just accomplish five things. Easy peasy. Proclaim the message of the kingdom of heaven is near. Got it, got it. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. That was the beginner's list. If you look at the corresponding passage uh, in the other gospel, I forget which one it is, he hasn't even taught them to pray yet. He's just like, just go for it. Just go do it. That was his expectation. Jesus had the expectation that his disciples would continue the work that he did. He fully expected them to be productive in things like signs and wonders, like healing the sick, casting out devils, cleansing leopards, raising the dead, all while preaching the gospel. That is one heck of a show and tell right there. Now, the church I grew up in, we only did one of the five. We'd forgotten a biblical standard and so reduced to it what we'd seen. Well, we just, we'd preach the gospel. I don't mean to denigrate the power of the gospel, but if Jesus demonstrated signs and wonders with the message of the gospel, perhaps we might want to follow his formula. I love that Jesus makes no contingency for those who are 
not the son of God. Right, like in that passage, he just fully expects him to do everything he did. And he says, as if like covering the bases in case they're like, yeah, 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 but you're the Messiah and we're not. He says, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. Right, you ready for a twist in the plot? Well, I'm not moving on until you are. It would be impolite. <laughs> are you ready for a twist in the plot? Look at Philippians chapter two, verse six. This is Paul talking about Jesus' approach to his ministry on earth. Right? Paul's writing that for a benefit of us. The churches in Philippi, but also for us. Paul writes this, talking about Jesus. Who, this is Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Paul points out something fascinating about Jesus' time on earth. He said, Jesus, though Jesus is God, he didn't consider that equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing, becoming like a servant being made in human likeness. What Paul is saying here is even though Jesus is God, when he was here on earth, he didn't take advantage of being God, but instead chose to operate with the limitations of mankind and chose to be subservient to the Father. You have, are you following me? Huh? So the notion that we're like, oh, well, that was just Jesus and he's like, like an A student and so we can't possibly expect to have the same results. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You've misunderstood how Jesus operated. Now, listen very carefully. I'm not saying that Paul is saying that Jesus stopped being God while he was here on earth. Jesus was fully God and fully man on earth as he's fully God and fully man right now. What I am saying is that he deliberately limited himself or as Paul puts it, didn't take advantage of being God so that in asking us to do what he did, he didn't cheat. Rather, he demonstrated for you and I what it looks like for a human being to be under the servitude of God, partnering with the Holy Spirit. Do you see how the level field just got real simple? Stay in this passage for a second because you know, Paul uses lots of interesting phrases here. This phrase here about where Jesus made himself nothing. One of the Greek words behind that phrase is canal, which means to divest oneself of one's prerogatives. In other words, to deprive oneself of one's own right. So when Jesus was here on earth, again, though fully God and fully man, he chose to deprive himself or not use to his own advantage that he's God, so that he could demonstrate to his disciples and to us what life looks like being anointed by God and in, in, in service to God. Now, some of you are scrolling through your Bibles right now going, that's some pretty big claims. You better have some pretty good receipts for that statement. And I do. I've got the words of Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter five. You won't find John chapter five in Instagram, just to help you there. You might need to switch back to a different app. 
You're so mean. We've all been there, okay? We've all been there. Just walk in the light as he is in the light. If anyone claims they weren't in Instagram, they're a liar and they live in the dark. Okay? John chapter 5. The context, I'm going to start reading about verse 16. The previous verses of verse 16, Jesus is doing what he did. He's going around doing good, healing all who are oppressed by the devil. In this particular situation, he's healed a lame man, something nobody's done before. And he heals a lame man, but worse, he did it on the Sabbath. So we pick up the story in verse 16, John 5, verse 16. So Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath, that's healing people, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Oh, I love that. It's set up perfectly for the point I'm going to prove. Jesus is just demonstrating, big guys, you think that's bad? Actually, I'm God. Like, you think it's bad that I'm healing people on the Sabbath? You know, you got your robes in a twist about that. Wait to hear this one. Me and my father, we're the same. With that as the context, Jesus asserting that he is God. He has equality with God. Verse 19, he says this. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Well, how can that possibly be? He's God. God's not limited. God can do whatever he wants, whatever he wants, unless he chose to make himself nothing, humbling himself as a servant and becoming obedient. It's exactly what he says. Keep reading. Jesus gave him this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. John 5, 19, Jesus demonstrating that it wasn't just talk, it was walk. He didn't just say, oh yeah, I came to be you know, subservient to my father. He demonstrated and proclaimed it. And all the miracles that he did, he's like, it's not me. I can't do anything of myself. I'm just doing what I see my father doing. All of his miracles while here on earth was him simply doing what he saw the father doing because God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power And he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We're right back where we started. See, Jesus had an expectation that we would do just what he did. The Bible clearly records that the early church did just that. And church history describes individuals who did just that also. And we've got many, many contemporary examples of people in our lifetime who did just that. My sadness is that often the individuals who were doing it, their power was compromised by their sin. I'm not poking holes, right? Like I'm not over here with no power going, well, the people with power, I'm not saying, I'm just, it's just an observation. I remember Paul Cain, one of the greatest living prophets, he said, to the church without mixture, God will give power without limit. That's the look we're going for, people. See, my sadness, and dare I say it, the Lord's sadness, is that there's far fewer people doing so. 
And I would love it if we could be part of a cohort of people who change that metric. Alan, why do you say that? Well, just because it's my passion. But also, we have about a thousand prophetic words. We've got tons of prophetic words about this. Last time Graham Cook was with us, he prophesied over our region and he said this, behold, the water level is rising and the place of healing is rising with it. Miracles, signs and wonders and the raising of the dead to life. Hmm, where have I heard that before? Oh yeah, Matthew 10. The prophets are pointing us back to the glorious standard that we've maybe excused away. I don't know what you've done with them. I've excused them away. Graham said this, he continued and said, this city and this region shall be a portrait of heaven, a visual aid to the lost, a house set on high where God's glory shall be visible. We're back to show and tell. The reason Jesus preached the message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, because that's how far heaven is away. And he would demonstrate miracles with his hands. Like he would say, this is what the kingdom's like. And then say, well, what's easier to forgive your sin or say, pick up your mat and walk. And people are like, ah, 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 ah. Right? It's so much easier to dispel arguments when miracles are in place. Well, let me tell you, that's not true. Right? We'd like to think it's true. But you would have, ah, uh, one of the first times AJ and I saw eight deaf ears get healed in one meeting. I was just like, this is the most this is the most astounding thing I've ever seen. And my parents, God bless them, now in heaven. Hi. Uh, <laughs> great cloud of witnesses and all. Uh, I, I remember, like, because my parents were staunch cessationists. That means they don't believe anything I'm preaching this morning. Right? All of the reason we only have one of the five is because the canon's closed and we no longer need signs and wonders and miracles because of the Word of God. And a really robust theology that's faulty and it's a doctrine of demons. Right? So we had really interesting uh, dinnertime conversations. <laughs> but I was thinking, hey, deaf people, this is going to be awesome. Like, I can't wait to tell my mom and dad about hey, deaf people. Surely that will convince them because miracles will end arguments. Miracles produce new kinds of arguments. Yeah, but were they really deaf? And did a doctor check it? And, you know, maybe they just caught, caught up in emotionalism. Remember, our point isn't to win arguments, it's to bring glory to Jesus, right? Mark DuPont, who's going to be with us in two weeks' time, said this, there will be a lot of significant wonders this year. I don't know about you, but 2020 so far, like my miracle count and my suckest count... I need some counterbalance. And so we've got like two more months. Mark, they better be chock full of miracles, okay? Because I want to see it. Our dear friend David Wagner will be with us in three weeks, said God is getting ready to release the things to you he's promised. Ah, oh. and went on to say, we're about to watch healings and miracles abound in our lives. Wagner also said, God is picking us up and carrying us across the threshold into miracle territory. That's where we're going. These are just some of our prophetic words. If you're not subscribed to our Instagram account, I give you permission, pull out your phone, switch back to Instagram. No one will shame you. Follow us on Instagram because every week we're posting more and more of these prophetic words. We've got tons of them. 
All of our prophetic words point to God doing what he loves to do. And he's invited us into it. So we may as well practice so that when it's upon us, we actually know what to do. I did not know that Mark was coming and that Wagner would pick the 15th when I planned this. Like, here's my plan. I I wanted to lay a foundation this week. Next week, I want to devote almost the whole time of speaking to just lab time, right? Clinic time, where we just play with the Holy Spirit. We just just try and do the stuff that we've talked about. And I'm going to give you some exercises in a second to do as we end. But then I love that, like, having spoken about this and having given time for the Holy Spirit next week, we've then got two prophets coming in who've got a lifestyle of signs and wonders. I just think, Lord, what are you doing? And so I'm going to encourage you as a church, would you pray with me for the next couple of weeks that God would do something powerful, something era-defining, something watermark-shifting in our lives. Amen? Amen. All right, here's what I'd love to do. And we're going to do more of this next week, but here's what I'd love you to do. I would love us to get fluent with what it feels like with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that might be insulting. There's many of you in this room who are way more adept at this stuff than me. I'm just gonna, as a teacher, I'm just gonna level the playing field. We're gonna start as if we know nothing about the Holy Spirit. You good? I'm not insulting. I'm just starting at the bottom. We'll work our way up, yeah? Good? Do this for me. Close your eyes. The reason I get you to close your eyes is it gets you away from your phone, okay? You can't be with the Holy Spirit and with your phone at the same time. I'm sure you can, all right? Close your eyes and hold out your hands like you're gonna receive a gift, right? Now, there's no magic in neither closing your eyes or holding out your hands, but I want us to devote our attention to the Holy Spirit. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. The Holy Spirit is already here. He doesn't need a prayer to show up. But what I'm doing in effect is I'm, I'm just like, Lord, I'm letting go of the reins. This is you. Would you speak to me? Where do you want to go? So we're going to start with, Holy Spirit, would you just come into the room in a new way right now? Lord, I thank you for your omnipresence, but we're now asking for your manifest presence. Oh. Oh, Lord, we love your presence. Oh. Lord, you're so good. There's no one like you, Lord. Oh. Mm. You know, in Matthew 10, after Jesus gives his disciples the the five things he says to them, freely you have received, freely give, or freely give as you've freely received. The reason I'm getting you to sit in stillness and let the Holy Spirit wait upon you is so that you have something to give away. Does that make sense? You're gonna fill yourself up like a vessel with the Holy Spirit just as you're waiting. Now, let me talk to you about what it feels like with the Holy Spirit is upon you, okay? So the reason I've got your hands up, whoa, is you're just in a in a receiving posture. Now, I'm gonna call out a bunch of things. You're all different. Like you all, if I had like essential oils out here and told you to sniff about 12 of them, some of you might like, oh, I really love that. Others of you might like, no, I don't like that at all. So too is where the way the Holy Spirit shows up on you. For some, it will be like this. For others, it won't be like that. And so let let me just call out some stuff. So, whoa. (laughs) Oh, Holy Spirit, so good. Oh. So as you're waiting, some of you, like you'll feel the Holy Spirit in your body because you're a vessel of Him. 
So how many of you, and don't lie, right? <laughs> how many of you feel something in your feet? Either tingling, heat, electricity. Put your hand up so I can see. Okay, so a handful of you. How many of you feel something on your hands just as you're sitting waiting? Wow, lots of you. Okay. Whoa, how many of you feel, <laughs> how many of you feel, uh, no matter where it is in your body, heat? How many of you feel cold, like a, like, a, like a breeze is upon you? How many of you feel like electricity, like buzzing? Okay, a bunch of you. I want you to pay attention to when that happens without your permission. Like right now, I'm posturing you. It's very clinical. Pay attention to when that happens. How many of you, there is no shame in answering this question, how many of you felt absolutely nothing? Okay, let me speak to you. So important that you do not get discouraged. John Ornett, who's one of the finest practitioners I know in flowing in the Holy Spirit, feels nothing. Carol, you can sneeze at her and she's on the floor, like in the third heaven. John feels nothing. I said, John's not discouraged. He's like, Alan, I've, I've just learned that it's all by faith anyway. Like the tingling gives you faith. Okay, you're here. I know he's here. I'm just, he's just proved himself faithful time and time again. For years, and I don't mean to indicate that like, if you wait years, finally you'll feel something. Feeling is not the important part, obedience is. Okay, so if you feel nothing, congratulations, you get to exercise faith a different way. Right? For years, I thought I was like, uh, you know, I'm the founder of Lamppost Ministries because when the dust settles, I'm the only person standing going, do I have a pulse? Like, is this thing on? So, whoa, okay, whoa. Ah, <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so let's do this. Just increase your presence, Holy Spirit, in the room. Just keep coming, Lord. Okay, how many of you are going out for lunch today? Some of you are like, wait, what are you going to get us to do? It depends. <laughs> how many of you seriously are going out for lunch today? All right, if you're not going out for lunch today, how many of you are going to see other people who are not in this room later today? I want you to be willing that if the Holy Spirit shows up the way he just showed up for you, whether that's tingling your feet, a breeze, heat, electricity, feeling nothing, you're like, I'm feeling nothing. This must be the Holy Spirit. Gotcha. Huh? I want you in that moment, right? Because the Holy Spirit is in you for you, but he's on you for others. So if he comes upon you, it's so that you can freely give as you freely receive. Does that make sense? I want you to risk something. Go out on a limb. Like if you're feeling the Holy Spirit, it's like, okay, Holy Spirit, like what do you want to do? And just ask the Holy Spirit to show you somebody and then walk up to them and say, hello, I'm from Grace Chapel. I'm on a, <laughs> I'm on a missions trip. <laughs> and if it goes well, say, sorry, I'm in Grace Center. If it, you have to hightail out of there. I mean, it was a mistake, slip of the tongue. Okay, sorry, Steve, sorry, I apologize. But I'm serious, the Holy Spirit is on you for somebody else. That makes sense? Next week when we come back, we're gonna just open it up and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do with some playtime. But this week, please, I implore you, would you pray 
for a massive outpouring in our lives collectively that changes the world and brings to fruition the prophetic words that have been prophesied over us for 20 plus years, amen? Can I pray and I'm gonna ask Matt to come up. He's got some amazing words of knowledge and we've got a ministry team who are just also gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Father, I thank you that it is your good pleasure to give us the kingdom. It's not something we strive for. It's something we align ourselves with. Lord, and as we're, as we're hungry, desperate people, Lord, desiring more of your power, Lord, that signs and wonders would follow the preaching of the word. Lord, I ask that you would back up your word, your word, with signs, wonders, and miracles because it is your good pleasure to do so. Lord, I thank you for us being here. We bless Pastor Jeff and Pastor Becky at home. Lord, we bless everybody here who needs a miracle, Lord, that they would get the miracle. We bless Wagner, Lord. May he just have so much energy he doesn't even know to do with it. And Lord, these next couple of Sundays that we're together, Lord, we devote to you. Would you do something astonishing for your glory? In Jesus' name, the people say, Amen. Amen.